Sal Barry. The puck has been in more hockey games than Wayne Gretzky, Gordy Howe, and Yarmir Yager combined. And Tim Parrish. I'm a world famous hockey podcast co-host. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry and with me is Tim Parrish. And today we are going to do our long overdue set retrospective of the 1990-91 Pro Set Hockey Card Set. We've been putting this off for a while. I think we started these 90-91 retrospectives in 2020 for the 30th anniversary. And then other things came up and then... It kind of got pushed to the side, and then we'd do another one, and then we'd get forgotten about, and something more pressing would happen, and, you know, eventually we would just kind of eke them out. By the year 2142, we should be on to 92-93. We actually did an episode about 92-93 tops. That was back when we would just pick a random set, like, five minutes before the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? I don't know. This one was pretty cool. Well, I got to tell you, part of the reason why we put this one off until the end is because we did them in the order that we kind of quasi agreed from worst to best. Like we both agreed that 9091 Bowman was the worst set from 9091. I mean, has your opinion on that changed in the past couple of years? No, it's as generic as you can get pretty much. It's a generic set. It's got bad photos. It's dark. It's just not a great set. And then as we kept going, like we, you know, and then we're like, well, we like this set a little better, so it'll be the next one, and then this one, and then the last one we did was Upper Deck, and it was kind of like a coin flip as to what the better set was, like Upper Deck or Pro Set, and I'll say this right now, I mean, looking back over 30 years, Upper Deck is the better set, but Pro Set is my favorite set, so in my mind, they're even, even though they're not. I still put upper deck ahead, but that's fine. Pro set can stand on its own with its own merits. Yeah, exactly. And I got to tell you, like, there are three things from, like, that era that I, like, absolutely love that just became, like, ingrained in me as, like, this is a cool 90s hockey thing. One is the 90-91 pro set hockey set. The second thing is the NHL 94 video game. And the third is the Wayne Gretzky overtime table hockey game that was made by Buddy L in the early 90s. I mean, prior to that, it was made by Kevin Sports Toys in Canada. Then when it got imported to the U.S., it was made by Buddy L. Those three things, the Gretzky table hockey game, the NHL 94 video game, and like Pro Set 9091 cards, those are like three of my favorite things about hockey from that time. My favorite thing about hockey at that time? Oh, the back-to-back cups that the Penguins won. Oh, well, yeah, of course. I mean, there's the (laughs) on-ice things, but I'm just talking about collectible things. Like, I own an HL94 for Super Nintendo. I own it for Genesis, even though I don't own a Genesis. I have the PC version of the game, which pictures Steve Conroy, and I actually got him to autograph that. I have another Steve Conroy story later on. And if I could get a copy of the Sega CD version of NHL94, I would as well. There was an NHL 94 strategy guide that came out, but 
people sell it for like sick amounts of money, like $80, $90, and I'm not paying that much. And then there was the NHL 94 trading card set. So, I mean, there was just a lot of cool about that set, but we're here to talk about Pro Set. We are, and there's a lot to talk about. This says a lot going on. It does. So, just the basics. So, Pro Set came out in two series. You had Series 1, which came out in, like, August or September of 1990. So it really came out way ahead of the other hockey card set. Whereas Tops would usually come out in, like, October, November, late October, I think. And Opeachy would come out in January. This time, for this year, we were getting hockey cards in August. So... Series one, to the best of my recollection, came out in like August or September. Series two, as to the best of my recollection, came out in like February of 91. Series one had 405 cards. Series two had 300 cards. I remember reading an article saying that ProSet initially planned on both series totaling 800 cards. So there may have been plans for Series 2 to be closer to 400 cards. I don't have that article handy, but I do remember reading it. I don't remember if it was an old Beckett, an old baseball card news, or something else. But I feel like it should have, because it doesn't really make sense the way it is. It's a little odd that like the second set has less cards. Now, you did get 15 cards in a pack, and a pack was 50 cents. This was still in that, like golden era of like 50 cents will get you 15 cards maybe 13 cards in a glossy card and a stick of gum if it's tops or if it's opg like seven cards and inferior gum but it's opg so you had the red army inserts right or upper deck which were like 99 cents a pack but those cards were way better but you know for the most part tops opg score bowman and pro set were all 50 cents a pack and you know, for like five bucks, you can really build a collection of these cards. I mean, five dollars would buy you 10 packs. 10 packs would get you 150 cards. Oh, and in the little 10 cent bonus coupon cards, we'll talk about those too. I got tons of memories of Pro Set, but what do you remember like when those first came out? You had actually collected hockey for a few years prior to that, correct? Um, yeah, not not too much. Eighty nine ninety was the first year I really like compiled a lot of hockey cards. I did have some previous years, you know, eighty eight, eighty nine, some eighty seven, eighty eights, but mostly I was baseball back then. But when ProSet came out, ProSet was much easier to obtain where I grew up than Upper Deck was. Really. Yeah, because you could buy ProSet pretty much anywhere. It was at all the stores, and by all the stores, I mean all of the stores, like the grocery store, department stores, the pharmacy, gas stations. I mean, it was everywhere. And the only thing that really always comes to mind about this set, other than the many, many, many error cards and crazy colors that I'm sure we're going to talk about here, is the packaging and how awful the packaging was. That's what always pops in my head is just how these were just a sheer pain to open. (laughs) 
and still are to this day. You would think after a hundred years of sitting in a box, they'd be easier because the glue would come away on the packaging. Nope. Even to this day, when you open packs, they're still a pain in the butt to open. Well, I will tell you this, my friend. How do you think I prepared for this episode? By you opening think I, packs? Yes, that's exactly it. I Just to get the feel, the smell, the taste. Oh, all of the, all of the above. Up until recording this podcast, I owned six unopened boxes of 9091 Series 1 and one box of Series 2. And before this recording, I sat and I opened two boxes of 9091 Series 1 back-to-back for a couple of reasons. I kind of wanted a uh, kind of just... another Stanley Cup hologram. Yes, I wanted another Stanley Cup hologram. I mean, that's really the only reason. And that's why people will pay $10, $15, sometimes $20, although I won't pay $20 a more of the five to ten dollar range kind of guy for an unopened box of Pro Set Series One, but I wanted to see some things. Like first of all, I wanted to see if it was still as much fun to open now as it was back then. And then, yeah, of course, I wanted to look for a Stanley Cup hologram. I wanted to look for some of their harder to find errors, and I just wanted to see if I could see anything interesting, like any interesting observations because like when you're a kid and you're tearing through the packs you're kind of like oh i need this one i don't have this one oh i have five of this one whatever right or oh cool i got a double of my favorite player and so i was going through these boxes and one box that i opened so you talk about the wrappers and the earlier packs that were released the wrappers were gray on the inside So you couldn't search the packs. I don't know if they were a little thicker, but they were gray. So they were not see-through. And then the later batch of packs that came out, those were like that kind of translucent plastic. Like if you think of like the same type of wrapper that SCORE used for its hockey cards, where you could see the top card and you could see the bottom card through the wrapper. You could do that with the 9091 Pro Set cards for certain wrappers. And actually, yeah, the wrappers are kind of tough to open nicely, but I managed to open a few nicely. But, you know, I had 72 packs to go through, so I was able to actually really just like tear slowly and say, okay, this is going to be one that I keep, even though now that I look in my binder and I have like all the wrappers and all the variations already. So... You have to hit them just right, though. Like, if you peel that piece back and go to pull it apart, you have to hit it just at the right spot so it pulls apart. Because otherwise, if you start to pull it, it puts a little tear hole in it, and then you end up having to shred the plastic apart, and you, like, bend the whole stack of cards that's in there. Yeah, that's what I hated about those. They were that type of wrapper. I bought hockey starting halfway through 88, 89. That's when I got into hockey. So a little bit before you, like as far as buying hockey cards, because I'm a little older. I got graduation money because I graduated eighth grade. So all I bought were hockey cards with my graduation money. I purchased through a mail order catalog some complete sets. I went to a local card shop and I bought a complete 88-89 set. And then that fall when 89-90 tops came out, I bought a full box. Because I just thought, okay, well, he doesn't have a full set for sale. So I'll just buy a box for $18, right? And make my set that way. And then that way I get all the stickers too. So that's what I did for that. And then 
like with Opeachy, I bought that through a mail order purchase. But yeah, so by the time Pro Set came out, I was already a seasoned hockey card collector. I mean, I was only really going into my second full year of being a hockey card collector, or, you know, year and a half or whatever. But I had already probably owned like 10 complete sets, which is not bad for, you know, 14 or 15 year old kid who's been only collecting for like 18 months. I definitely didn't have that money to throw around at the time. Well, I didn't really either, but I was kind of selective with what I spent my money on. In fact, I'll tell you this. I remember like my mom would give me three bucks a day for school lunch at high school, right? And you could get good food back then, or it was bad food. It was junk food. It was typical cafeteria food. You know, do I want the fried chicken sandwich or do I want the hamburger and fries or this or that, right? You know, and three bucks went a long way. And I figured out that if I got a deli sandwich and a can of pop, it would cost me a buck 95. So then I'd pocket the other dollar five for hockey cards. But then later on in the quarter, or excuse me, in the school year, because this is high school and not college. So later on in the school year, I remember my art teacher told us that we could stay in the art room and work through lunch because I had art class right before lunch. And I didn't really like hanging out with in the cafeteria. I didn't I didn't have like a big group of friends. You know what I mean? Like I liked to socialize. But if it was up to me, I'd rather just hang out in the art room and work on my painting for like another hour instead of make small talk with a bunch of knuckleheads that I, you know, that I kind of tolerate. So what I would do is after gym class, I'd go to the cafeteria. The kitchen wasn't open yet, but I'd buy a thing of chocolate milk and a two pack of Reese's peanut butter cups, right? And that would be a dollar. Then that was my lunch. And I'd have that as I was working in the art room and then I would just skip lunch. So then I was pocketing $2 a day. So when that Friday would roll around, I'd end up with like 10 bucks to spend on pro set or upper deck or score or whatever tickled my fancy back then. Like, yeah, I think I'll work on building another set of pro set cards and maybe I'll get a Stanley cup hologram this time. So you had pallets and pallets of 9091 pro set, but all your teeth fell out from cavities. Well, yeah, I had cavities. I think I got most of my cavities in like seventh and eighth grade though. I think in high school I was pretty good. Because by then I was like brushing regularly. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like, so for me, it was just like food or hockey cards. Okay, no contest. A little bit of food and hockey cards. Yeah, just... see, I'm a fat guy. So I had to. <laughs> oh, man. So a couple memories I, I want to talk about. Because like I said, this was such a great set to collect. There was something called the Chicago Hockey Show. August 25th and 26th of 1990. Yeah, about 33 years ago, the Chicago Hockey Show. ProSet was there. They had a table set up. They were giving away ProSet cards. They were actually had complete sets, and they would just give you like five of them. Like you'd walk up to them and they'd hand you some cards. But they didn't do a good job of shuffling them. Because I remember like they handed me the cards and I looked and it was like trophy card, trophy card, trophy card. And I'm like, oh man. And so I remember like me and my sister kept going to the back of the line and getting more cards. And we go to the back of the line and get more cards. And after doing this like four or five times, this lady that worked for ProSet, she's like, you can't keep coming here to get free cards. So I'd wait like 10 minutes, come back, get cards, go away for 10 minutes, come back, get cards, thinking that I was going to build the entire set. But 
that wouldn't have been possible because what they were doing was they were pulling out all the Stan Makita cards because he has a card in that set. There's a few Hall of Famers at the end of Series 1. Stan Makita was signing autographs at that show. So you'd walk up to where he was signing, you'd get the things that you wanted to get signed, signed, like if you brought something with you, and then he would also take one of the pro set cards and sign it for you really nice. So that was a good memory. Too bad Gordie Howe wasn't there too. Since no, his, but since his card was in that mix too. His was in series two. It's still that gold, like gold border. And then I also remember there was like a dealer from Detroit. And so he was buying, like if he had any Red Wings cards, he'd just buy them off of you. So I'd like walk up and I'd be like, hey, I got Gerard Gallant and Bob Probert and Sean Burr. I don't know if he's paying a quarter or what. But, you know, when you're like 15, that's a pretty sweet deal. You know, got to make hay when the sun shines, right? Because now you couldn't sell those cards for a quarter if your life depended on it. Uh No. Because this is one of those sets that was like, for a lot of people, was the gateway drug that kind of moved them into collecting hockey cards because it was so accessible. And to this day, it's still one of the, probably one of the biggest sets that causes so much discourse when you start talking to people about it. Because you either get people that really love it for various reasons, like we're talking about here, or you get people that really hate it. And this is one of those kindling sets, as I call them. There's so much of it. How much of this has ended up in fires? <laughs> it just burned because there is so much of it. It's a kindling set because there is so much of it. And that's the thing. But it's one of those sets that just, it elicits a response from everybody that had it, whether you like it or whether you don't. Everybody has a response to it, and they have something to say. Well, usually they either love the set for the design or they hate the set because it's worthless. Like, people don't dislike 9091 Pro Set. They don't go, oh, it's too colorful, or oh, it has so many players, or oh, it had cards of coaches and referees and Hall of Famers, and that's so innovative for the time, right? Like, those are not reasons to dislike Pro Set. Those are reasons to like Pro Set. It's colorful. There's lots of players, lots of rookie cards, like over 200 rookie cards in the set. Because you had 8990 guys got their rookie cards in 9091, and then, like, guys who debuted in 9091 got their rookie cards in the set. And then guys who played, like, years and years who never got a card like say like dave reed perfect example because dave reed is a big hockey card collector or at least he was one when he played in the nhl and he talked about how he played and never got a hockey card and it was disappointing reader brings that up a lot on nhl network not getting a card yes i think i've heard him talk about it at least three times right and then when 9091 came out every set had a card of him because they're like, well, we're not making 198 cards or 264 cards. We're going to make 705 cards. So you got to fill it out with the ranks, right? These are reasons to love the set. And like you said, kindling, I now have like a thousand cards sitting on my coffee table that I need to figure out what to do with. Am I going to sort these? Am I going to look through them again and see if I maybe overlooked some sort of error card? So I want to tell a quick error card story, and we could have a bigger discussion about that. So when I was at that hockey show, I remember one guy had the full pro set set 
in a three ring binder in nine pocket pages on his table. And I said, how did you get that? And he said, oh, I consulted with them. I helped them, whatever, proofread or whatever. And then he's like, hey, check out this card right here. What's wrong with that? And he points to the Dave Manson card. And I go, well, that's Steve Conroy. He goes, yeah, so they're going to correct that card. And I go, oh, hot damn, I better get me one of those Dave Manson error cards. So I don't know, maybe two weeks later, school had started by then out in September, but it was still hot. It was one of those hot days where, like, I remember my dad driving around his car. It was like one of those big boxy cars with, like, the vinyl seats, you know, and it's like summer and you sit on the seats and you're like, ah, right where your leg touches, you know what I'm talking about? And then you go to fast, fasten the seatbelt and the seatbelt is like 200 degrees and it, like, melts on your hand and you have, like, a Ford logo on your hand. Or No, I'm kidding. But, like... The thing is, is like you try not to rest your hands on the seatbelt buckle because it's like blazing hot. So it's like one of these are real things that we struggled with growing up. People don't understand that. Yes. And there was no air conditioning in this car. So I remember my dad took me and my sister to the sports card store. And I remember that they had a Dave Manson error card and it was five bucks and I had ten dollars on me. So I spent five on that Dave Manson card. And I spent the other five on unopened packs of Pro Set Series 1. My dad's driving. I'm in the back seat. My sister's in the back seat. It's freaking hot out. You know, you got that sweat rolling down the back of your neck. And like, you know, the windows are down because there's no air conditioning. The seats are hot. The belt is hot, right? And I'm like opening the packs because I'm like so excited. And like two packs in, what card do I pull? The Dave Manson error card. And I'm like, son of a gun. I just spent five bucks for this card. And then I got one in a pack that I bought at the same time. And then I ended up with like 20 of that card because it was so plentiful. So every time I got one in a pack, I just felt like an idiot. Because, you know, five bucks was a lot of money. I mean, adjusted for inflation, five bucks then is like maybe 10 or $11 now. So think about that, like spending 11 bucks on something and then getting it in a pack that you spent like a dollar on. Well, 50 cents back then, but like a dollar now, you know, especially if you're like 15 and not working, you'd be like, oh, man, that was dumb. If I had a dollar for every time I pull the card that I bought previously, I would have at least like $48. Wow. Now, are these cards you're buying on purpose? Like, oh, sure, I can use another Mario Lemieux rookie card for my collection. Or are these just like just accidental buys? No, they're like, you know, oh, I want that card. So I'll just buy it. And then later on, I'll end up opening a box and I'll get that same card in it. It Happens all the time. Yeah. So anyway, so like I said, it was the first set that came out in the 9091 season. It was also the first set to picture all the players from the all-star game. Now there were Opeachy sticker sets from the early to mid eighties that would have stickers of players in their all-star uniforms, but usually it was the starters or it was like some of the players and never like all 40 players, but this had like all 40 players that were in that all-star game. You know, like I said, there's over 200, not counting like variations. There's like maybe 210 errors. I was looking at trading card DB. It says there's 
224 rookie cards, but then it's like, well, this version of the Tim Sweeney card lists him as a defenseman, and this version of the Tim Sweeney card lists him as a different position, right? You know what I mean? So, like, it's the same card, it's the same player, just different versions of it, or one's an error, one's a corrected. But, you know, so if you think about that, like, 200 out of the 700 cards are rookie cards. It had a lot of errors. 48 cards have an error-corrected version or some variation, the variation could be like Yari Curry's card that has the yellow stripe on it that says now he's playing for the Milan Devils. They also did that yellow stripe on his all-star card, and they changed the text on the back of that card as well to reflect that he went to go play for the Milan Devils in Italy. Or there's cards like the Dwayne Sutter card where later on in the print run, they added the yellow stripe to the front to say that he had retired and that on the back it said that he had retired, right? So like nobody would have lost sleep if they didn't update the Dwayne Sutter card. Oh, he's retired, but this card doesn't say that he's retired, right? You know what I mean? Like it was just like, remember like the old newspapers, like the five star sports final. You remember, remember what that meant? Which one did you say? Remember like you'd have like, there'd be like an early edition and an afternoon edition and an evening edition of like the newspapers. I was going to say, I only remember the morning and the afternoon ones. Okay. But sometimes they'd say like sports final on the front, meaning this has the scores from the late game, right? Like if the Penguins were playing the Kings in Los Angeles, it wouldn't have had the score from that game in the early edition, but it would in the later edition. Oh, I, so it's kind of like I paid attention to that. It's kind of like that with pro set where like, they made these running changes where like, okay, the Dwayne Sutter card says that he's retired now. And the other one didn't say that. Or like the Yari Curry card says that he's now playing in Italy. There were some little stupid mistakes like, oh, well, the Blackhawk cards, their numbers and their position should be printed in black ink. But on the Steve Larmer card, it's printed in white ink. Then they corrected it later to be in black ink against the red. So there's just like variations. There's like, wrong photos like when they swapped Patrick Sundstrom and Peter Stastny who both played for the Devils both wore Jofa helmets both had visors and both had the initials PS so their photos were swapped but then you know there's a corrected version of each of their cards as well so a lot of these got corrected gradually throughout the season the Dave Manson error card that pictured Steve Conroy was corrected but it's one of the harder corrected cards to find funny now that the corrected version is like a solid three to five dollar card like in my mind it's a five dollar card whereas the error version is like a common like a dime a dozen and you'd get change back well that's the thing like anything it can be an error card but if they don't correct it then that's the same card that everybody has right but if they go through and take the time and make those corrections i mean look this set, it was almost like, okay, we have this great idea for this set. We're going to do X number of cards, and we're going to do it like this, and it's going to look like this. Let's do it. And they ran it, and they printed it. And they forgot to do any editing. <laughs> and when it hit, and they started getting phone calls saying, hey, my Joe Newendike card is spelled... N-I-E-W 
E N instead of N I E U W E N. And they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll fix that. And then they get another phone call. Um, Steve Conroy's on my Dave Manson card. Oh, well, we'll fix that. And then they get another, hey, Al Secord spelled wrong on my card on the back. Oh, hey, um, the backs of this card doesn't even have any ink on it. Oh, we'll <laughs> fix that too. And it's like each time they had to, okay, we're going to fix these five things and we're going to run them again. Oh, there's 10 more. Oh, we'll fix those 10. Let's run them again. So every time somebody finds a new pro set error, I feel like they go back and run truckloads more of these to fix them. Right. Yeah. So like the Al Secord, there's a version that says Alan Secord on the back, and there's one that just says Al Secord. The inconsistencies, you know, spelling errors. They misspelled Ray Bork. They also misspelled Phil Bork. So at least they were consistent in their misspelling of Bork. Yeah. Like I said, they misspelled Joe Neuendijk, fixed that. They misspelled John Tonelli, fixed mm -hmm. that one. It was another one. Oh, uh, somebody else had the wrong picture too. Oh, there's, there's. Um, they, I oh, mean, they, Brian Bellows. The Brian Bellows card has Dave. Um, Gagne. Yes, on the back. Right. Not on the front, but on the back. Right. They uh, mixed up Dave Andertruck and Scott O'Neill's photos on the back of their cards. It seems like if they begin with the same letter, they were subject to being photo swapped. Yeah. <laughs> They must have pulled those out of the same uh, folder on their clip art. No. Maybe. Actually, I want to talk about the photos it. really quick. So I mentioned NHL 94 earlier in this podcast. And when I did my big article for the hockey news about NHL 94, now this is like five years ago when I wrote about the game's 25th anniversary, I talked to every human being I could think of that had something to do with NHL 94. And one of the people I spoke with was Steve Babineau, who was the photographer who took the photo on the cover of the Genesis and Super Nintendo version of NHL 94. His son actually took the photo that's on the PC version, the one that has Steve Conroy and Frank Pietrangelo on the cover. But as far as the one that has like the Kings playing the Bruins and like Andy Moog, that was taken by Steve Babineau, who's a longtime NHL hockey photographer actually he got his start photographing world hockey association games for the hockey news that's how he got his start as a photographer so we were talking about lots of things because he's a really interesting dude to talk to and you know we were talking about hockey cards because he told me oh yeah i've taken a lot of hockey card photos and so he told me he said in 1990 tops was going to make a hockey sticker set they were looking to expand and do a set of hockey stickers so he packed up and sent them slides. And so he said that Topps was going to do a hockey sticker set. And they decided not to. Basically, they just packed up all his slides and sent them back to him. I can't remember if he told me he got a phone call or he got a letter, but he was contacted by ProSet. And ProSet says, we want to buy photos from you. And we'll pay you $15 a photo. And he said at the time, Topps was paying like $7.50 for a photo to use on a hockey card. $7.50. He's making bank off of ProSet. And so ProSet was like, I wonder we'll why they went bankrupt. 15 bucks per photo. So he said he literally just 
took that envelope that Top sent back to him, and he just sent it to Proset. And he said a lot of those photos ended up on Proset, uh, at least Series 1. So a lot of these photos could have been Top stickers, if you think about it. But who else would you want taking your photos other than the guy that took the photo on probably the most iconic hockey card ever? Oh, yeah, the Gretzky rookie. Correct. Yeah. I never knew that. I found that out, like, way later. Now, wait, was it wrong of me when you said the most iconic hockey card ever and the first thing I thought was 9091 Upper Deck Mario Gosselin? And then I said, no, no, he's talking about Gretzky's rookie, not Mario Gosselin's Upper Deck card. Literally yes. taken from an Upper Deck at a hockey game. The Upper Deck photo from the Upper Deck, yes. Yeah, so those could have been stickers, but they weren't. Like I mentioned before, they were cards of coaches. Oh, so I got to talk about this cards of coaches, right? So players fall under the Players Association. You play in the NHL, you're in the NHLPA. If the set has an NHLPA license, you get a hockey card. You're part of that licensing agreement. Coaches is a different story. So I also spoke with the man who basically negotiated with all the coaches to get them to sign off to be in the Pro Set Series 2 hockey set. So he talked with all the coaches. They're all fine with, yeah, okay, I'll be in the set. You know, here's where you can mail my check or whatever. And the only one who didn't consent to being in the set was Mike Keenan of the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, as a kid, this pissed me off because I had a love-hate relationship with Mike Keenan, like most people do with their coaches, right? Like most sports fans have a love-hate relationship with the coaches that coach their favorite team because Mike would play head games with his guys and they'd hate him, and then they would go out and, like, clobber the other team the next day, like, six to nothing, you know what I mean? So, like... There was a method to his madness, but it's definitely a scorched earth approach to coaching. But Mike Keenan did not want a card. According to the guy who was signing all the contracts, Keenan was like, well, what's going to happen to the money? I don't want the money. The money should go to charity. And then they said, okay, well, we'll send you the check and then you can give it to whatever charity you want. And then he's like, well, no, I think you should send it to them, or I don't know if I want to be a part of this. So ProSet was like, all right, you know what? Forget about it. 20 out of 21 coaches isn't bad. They were going to do coaches cards the next year, but they didn't because they couldn't get as many coaches the second time around. So Mike Keenan may have kind of poisoned that well a little bit. Now, I also did talk to Mike Keenan about that when I talked to him about the 87 Canada Cup. I was able to interview him for that story. And, you know, just kind of at the end, I brought up, I said, hey, you were supposed to be in pro set and you weren't. And what do you remember about that? And he just, you know, he said he couldn't really remember. But then I said, well, but you were in upper deck set in 2004. And he's like, well, yeah, by then I kind of accepted that they were like a part of the game and part of hockey. You know what I mean? Whereas like, Back then, he wasn't really into the whole idea and didn't really care. And then, like, as you see him longer and longer, like, trading cards and stuff, then he kind of embraced that as, like, part of part of the hobby. But, man, that pissed me off when I was, like, 15, 16. I'm like, okay, where's my Mike Keenan card? I want to put it on the dartboard so I could throw things at it, right? Or maybe I'll get it signed, or I don't know. But it's just, like, 
Toronto got a card of their coach and their coach was like a midseason replacement. And yet they still managed to get Tom Watt in there, <laughs> even though it's just a headshot that looks like it was literally taken at like the last minute. You also got Pat Burns. I mean, how freaking cool is that? Pat Burns has a rookie card as a coach because he's a coach. It's weird to me. Like you have all of these coaches sign off on it and then you have Iron Mike be like, no, I'm not doing it. And well, why not? Well, you should give the money to charity. Okay, we'll give you the money and you can do what you want with it. Give it to charity. No, nah, that's okay. I'm good. Like, I don't get that. I, I don't, I just don't get that. Mike, Take the money, donate it to charity. Well, I'll tell you this. Mike Keenan makes things difficult or he made things difficult back in the day. I even remember like- but one that's of favorite- something you don't need to make difficult. If your only demand is give this to charity, okay, so give it to charity. <laughs> What's the big deal? I remember like later that year, the team used to do something called Skate with the Hawks. This was like the precursor to the Blackhawk convention when only like 300 people would show up. And, you know, the players would be out on the ice. It'd be at a local rink and they'd give you a button. And if you like, they'd be like, okay, now it's your turn to be on the ice. And then you could go out and skate with some of the players, skate up to them and get autographs. Right. So it's like fall of 90. You know, of course, I'm armed to the teeth with every single freaking hockey card I can carry of a player who might even be there. I mean, I even had a 9091 Pro Cards Dominic Hasek card, picturing him as an Indianapolis Ice player. Although that might have been the next season. That might have been 91-92. But the point is, is that if he had a card and he was on the team or might be called up, I would bring it. So I had like a bunch of Jeremy Roenick cards because by then his tops and score and pro set rookie cards were out by then, or at least pro set and tops. And I remember skating up to Ronick and I'm like, Hey, how you doing, Jeremy? And he just let out this long sigh. And he's like, Mike ran us through a double practice today. And I said, on the day you're going to meet with the fans in the evening, he ran you through a double practice. Why would he do that? And Ronick's like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Ronick's like 19 at the time, right? This is like his second full year in the NHL, right? But yeah, that was Keenan for you. Refused to be in your hockey card set and like to bag skate his players on the days that they're going to meet their fans. It's crazy. Crazy, yeah. Talk a little bit about the design of the cards because we brought it up a couple times. Okay, so what they did with this set, which was really nice, is that the top and bottom borders reflect the colors of that player's uniform. So they definitely draw out the colors on the uniform because it matches. Well, I guess if they were white borders, they'd be okay too, but they're definitely color coordinated. There's no left and right border, so they're full bleed on either side. And actually, I reread an article where they talked with Lud Denny, who was the president of ProSet at the time. Lud Denny had since passed away, but he talked about how they wanted to have as much photo as possible. So one of the things they did was they got rid of the left and right borders, which made the images, quote, 10% bigger, <laughs> whatever. So you had on the front, you had a, a nice, colorful photo. You know, you had the team logo, you had the NHL logo. There's actually, it's kind of a busy design. You've got like position, number, name. And then on the back, you got like a headshot. A lot of times it's a different shot than the front. Sometimes it's the same. You got a bio. You got four years of stats. You have some information in French, like their height, their weight, their birthday. And ProSet did that as a workaround because 
in order to sell these cards in Canada, there had to be some bilingual aspect to them. So having some text in French was one way to basically work around that. Same with the uh, packaging, where they also put some French on the packaging. So like, oh, some of the information on the cards is in French, but it's like, okay, anniversary, right? And then it would list like their birthday. So yeah, that's the gist of it. I mean, we're going to have pictures below in the links and comments section, but I like this design enough that I paid homage to it with my business card, or as I call it, my business trading card. That's all the rage. I hear people ask for that all the time. What? Your your business card. You know, people will stop at my table, take one of my business cards, and they'll say, I don't even like hockey, but this is an awesome business card. And they say it nicely, not like, oh, I hate hockey. They'll just say, I don't even like hockey, but this is an amazing business card. Or like one guy told me, he's like, dude, you have the best business card of anybody at this show. And then like another guy's like, yeah, I won't argue with that. I've gotten a lot of compliments about that because um, everybody gets it. It's a pro set card and everybody has like nostalgic feelings about it. Nobody says, oh, Sal, you made your business card look like a worthless trading card from the 90s. They go, oh, that's cool. It is cool. It's a cool looking set. Like I said earlier, it raises discourse. It starts conversations and discussions about whether it's good or whether it's bad. I always find that fascinating about this set. But the only bad about it is that it was overproduced. Or the umpteen thousands of error cards that are in it. And yeah, so the fact that it's too big and has cards of people that have no business having cards. There's a lot of things that you could put on it that's negative. I mean, I don't want to open a pack of cards, I'm sorry, and pull out a referee card. I just don't. At the time, I thought, wow, that's interesting, referee cards. But that's the one and only time I ever said that. I wish the design of the referee cards was a little better than what it was because that, like, blue-green that they picked. Yeah, what was that? It was like turquoise or something. Yeah, like turquoise, like... It should have been orange, like the arm stripes. It should have been bright orange. It does have black and white stripes. It should have played up the black and white stripe motif or the orange band motif a little bit more. And Could, not. They couldn't do any more orange. They overdosed the orange on the All-Star cards. This is true. This is true. But one example of an uncorrected error is that it gives their four-year stat total as their total. So like right here, I'm looking at Wayne Gretzky's card. It lists out his stats from 86, 87, 87, 88, 88, 89, and 89, 90. And it says that he has a total of 196 goals. Well, he had more than 196 goals in his career, but it just says total. So they just took the four-year total. So every card in series one of players that have more than four years of career experience can be considered an uncorrected error because the stats are wrong. But there's a lot of uncorrected errors anyways that ProSet just didn't even bother to fix. And they didn't bother to fix the stat error because whatever, they were consistent on it. It it should have said four-year total and not just total. Yeah, and they probably could have cut down on some of the verbiage on the back and put more stats on it, but hey, who knows? Yeah. So I want to talk about the promo card. There was a ProSet newsletter called the ProSet Gazette. 
And I remember my sister telling me one day, she's like, hey, this boy in my class, she would have been in like eighth grade or maybe seventh grade. And I would have been in like ninth. This would have been maybe before the pro set cards came out. So it could have been like early to mid 1990. She's like, this boy in my class, he brought a Brett Hall card to school that you don't have. It's a pro set Brett Hall card. And I'm like, how did he get it? And she's like, he said that he got it in the mail. He gets the Pro Set newsletter. So I remember signing up for the newsletter because I had some of their football cards. So, you know, I probably mailed them and said, please subscribe me to the newsletter because it was free. But what they did was they made this Brett Hull promo card and it was sent to people who subscribed to the Pro Set Gazette. But then later on, you could pull that same card from boxes of series one by the way the two boxes i opened today did not have that card and i'm a little disappointed that didn't have any promo cards in it but i remember just as a kid it seemed like every box had a brett hull pro set promo card and i was okay with that because i wanted to have one the one that got mailed to people it came in a little pro set folder like a little two pocket folder and it came with a, a brett hull card and a barry sanders card do you remember, well, you might not remember, but I remember reading a few years ago an old article from the LA Times where they interviewed Lud Denny and they talked about his rise to power, so to speak, of starting ProSet mm-hmm. and the, the whole background of how he did ProSet and everything else. And I remember in that article they said something about ProSet Gazette being a free newsletter slash magazine. And something like they sent out like 1.2 million of them every month. 1.2 million of this free magazine that wow. you had to subscribe to. It wasn't just like junk mail that everybody got. You had to actually subscribe to it. The fact that they had 1.2 million subscriptions back in like 1992, that's crazy. That's crazy. People fail to understand those that jumped into the hobby later on and think it's crazy now. They fail to understand how many people collected cards in the early 90s. It was insane. Everyone collected. Everyone. That's like a statistic that kind of proves that. Yeah, that's a really good metric there. I mean, 1.2 million people subscribing to this pro set newsletter. Of course, that's what he's telling them. That's his story and he's sticking to it. I mean, considering the source, yeah, he could have overinflated those numbers, I'm sure, because he was a larger than life kind of character. Well, somebody told me that one thing Lud Denny did, and this is from somebody who knew him and worked with him, basically said that like they printed too many cards but the thing is is like if you're a one million dollar company you can only justify you can only spend so much on business expenses and if you're a 10 million dollar company or a 20 million dollar company then you can like have a company jet and stuff like that so part of the reason why they produced all these cards and they at least from the source that i spoke with about this was it was just like he wanted to spend money on other things that were business related 
that they probably shouldn't have spent on. And, you know, if you're like a small time operation, you can't justify that. But if you're like, we have 1.2 million subscribers and we've just printed another 500,000 cases of pro set hockey. It's just like, oh, wow. Okay. And I'm just throwing that number out there. I don't know how many cases of pro set hockey were printed, but. I know with pro set football, they turned on the presses 24 hours a day for like months at a time. So I'm sure they did it with the other sports too. But are you talking about things like the, like the old story that goes that any type of hobby event where there were going to be like promoters and distributors and manufacturers and anything, he would host open bar nights that would go like from six o'clock in the evening till six o'clock in the morning. That sounds awesome. There were those stories that used to go around. Oh, man, could you imagine, like, back in the day, being of legal drinking age, going to a pro set party and having, like, a pack wars, but making, like, a drinking game out of it? I can't even imagine. It'd be fun. Now now I want to make a pack wars drinking game, but... uh, We're all adults. We can do that now. We can do that now, exactly. The alcohol will cost way more than the cards. Oh, God, yeah. Be like, okay, yeah, and if you pull the Doug Brown pro set card then uh, that's an automatic chug. That's finish your drink. Cause this Doug Brown card, he's like gritting his teeth. He has like this really intense look on his face, but like the upper half of the photo is like background. And like, it looks like he's trying to duck down out of the photo. That might actually be a good candidate for bad hockey card hall of fame. I don't think I have a pro set card in the hall of fame and there needs to be one because it's such an awesome set. Every time you pull out an error card, you have to take a shot. You'll yeah. be drunk by three packs. Right, exactly. Every time it says Alan Bester or Alan Secord, you take two shots. This could be a very complex game. We should write this. Well, another thing, like when I opened one of those boxes, I was trying to find some sort of pattern in the sequencing. And it was one of the later produced boxes. And the cards were not shuffled very well. Because, like, I'd open a pack, and then, like, four packs later, I'd open a pack, and it wouldn't be the same 15 cards, but there'd be five out of the 15 cards would be the same, and they'd be in the same spot. So, like, if the third card was Ray Ferraro of the Whalers, and then the fourth card was Jeremy Vronick of the Blackhawks, and then the fifth card, they might be different, but they'd both be Islanders, and then the sixth card might be different, but they'd both be Penguins. And then the seventh card would be like Brett Hull All-Star. It's like they were almost the same 15 teams or like almost the same 15 teams, but then like five of those cards in each pack being the same. But then the other box that I opened, which I believe was from the earlier pressing of Pro Set because it had the gray on the inside, it didn't have that sequencing issue. So I don't know. But yeah, if you get the same cards, then everybody just at the table takes a drink. Or you do war like like the card game war. Mm-hmm. You have to put three more down and then flip the next one. Okay, so what happens if you pull the Stanley Cup hologram? Then I go home. Game's over. Right. Whoever pulls the Stanley Cup hologram is buying beers for the rest of our lives. Pretty much so, yeah, right? And And they never get to complain about never getting any good hits in their packs. That's right. It's like, oh, man, I only got five young guns in my box instead of six. Be like, shut up, Sal. You've got that Stanley Cup hologram in your box of pro set that you opened in 2023. I mean, if that's your one and only hit you ever get in your whole life, that's a pretty good one to get. That would be a pretty good one to get. So 
just like the Brett Hall promo card was the first promo card for 1990 hockey. I mean, you could consider that the first, the first hockey promo card. Because I can't think of any hockey promo cards prior to that. I mean, Tops would send out sell sheets that say this is what the 85-86 top set is going to look like. But they didn't actually give out cards to get people excited about a new product. Pro set did that. Nothing like that that I can think of. Like test cards and stuff, but those aren't really promo. Oh, yeah, like proofs and stuff, right? So with the Stanley Cup hologram... That is hockey's first chase card. Now, there were insert cards before. Inserts are inserted one per pack, whether it's a glossy photo, whether it's a sticker, whatever, right? That's an insert card. A chase card is a card that makes you buy, oh, I don't know, 15 boxes as a sophomore in high school to hope to get this card. So there were 5,000 Stanley Cup. I didn't know it existed until holograms. years later. Because I never even saw one. Oh, I knew it existed. I just never saw one. Yeah, I never saw one, nor did I even believe that it was real. The closest I got to seeing a Stanley Cup hologram prior to the internet was the price guide stat line that said it was worth $500. Yeah, you knew it existed because it was in the Beckett and the tough stuff. But you had no clue because no one ever saw one. Right. There were rumors. But I never saw one Yeah, for years. Well, for a little while, I was buying them on eBay when I could find them at an affordable price. So they are numbered out of 5,000. I do have one that's not numbered on the back, though. Humble brag. I own seven Stanley Cup Pro Set holograms, but I'm not buying drinks for anyone. Six of them have numbers on the back. They're hand-numbered, very neatly hand-numbered. And the seventh one that I have does not have any hand numbering on it, which leads me to believe that either A, it was a proof, or B, they just kept printing them and they stopped numbering them. But I don't know, because I've never seen one that wasn't hand numbered other than this one. I'm not saying that there's not one. I'm just saying I've never seen another one that wasn't hand numbered before. Do any of your seven have the missing Stanley Cup lettering on the front? The missing Stanley Cup lettering? Yeah, one of the, call it an error. So there's versions that have Stanley Cup lettering on the front, and there's ones that don't. Yeah, actually, now that you mention it, the one that doesn't have a hand number on the back also doesn't say the Stanley Cup on the front. Ah, see? Yes. Never even looked that hard at it. See that? We just discovered another thing. Wow, another error. So apparently those are, like, extremely rare. Wow. It'd be a SSSSP. Yeah, my collection just got better. SSSSSPPS. Yeah. That's what it is. The rich keep getting richer. (laughs) So 5,000 Stanley Cup holograms. It's one of those cards that you have to hold. You have to look at it. The lights just got to hit it perfectly. Of course, when the light hits it, if there's any scratches on the card, then you see the scratches because... They show up really well, but it's like this beautiful hologram, super colorful, just a great looking card. I would have loved to have this back in the day. I love having it as an adult. It's a tough card to get in a good grade. I've heard people tell me that they've pulled one from a pack 
within the last 10 years, and it was damaged. It wasn't even like mint. They'd open it and it would already have like chipped edges and stuff just because the card is so fragile or susceptible to scratching or scuffing or whatever. Yeah, because I don't imagine they're back then they had necessarily the printing technology to put any of the coatings and stuff on it to make it so it didn't do that. Right. So that's hands down like the coolest card. I mean, it might be the coolest card of all of 1990. I mean, it's it is a tough card to find. I mean, if you think about how many millions of cards were printed, and here's a card that there's only five thousand of them. So you brought up the fact of conditioning, and I know I like to always throw in the reference for those that are listening and care about such things as in graded cards. PSA that you all love so much has graded 140 Stanley Cup holograms. Really? Yes. 140. Do you want to guess how many tens there are? One. Uh, that would be incorrect. The zero? answer is zero. Okay. I was being generous with the one. Would you like to guess how many nines there are? None. That would be a zero. Okay, so I was right about that. So the I'm highest guessing... graded Stanley Cup hologram is seven. Eight. Oh, eight. And there's only five of them. Wow. So out of 140 being graded, only five have gotten an eight. The vast majority of them fall in the fours, fives, and sixes, if you can believe that. I believe it. So that's where the bulk of them fall. They've even graded two that they just gave it an authentic because mm-hmm. the grade's so bad. Wow. So, yes, it is very condition sensitive. But the fact of the matter is, supposedly there's only 5,000 of them. And every other card in that set, there's 500 billion of. If that puts things into perspective. That's kind of like opening stuff today and getting a card that's numbered to, I don't know, 10. It's kind of the same concept. Right. It's a tough pull. I'll just kind of shift gears for a second here. ProSet, they sponsored some things around the league. And one thing they did was they had the ProSet Player of the Month. And they issued four cards during the 90-91 season of whoever the NHL Player of the Month was. And so one month it was Pete Peters, goaltender for the Flyers. The next month it was Tom Barrasso, goaltender for the Penguins. The next month it was Wayne Gretzky, and then the month after that it was Brett Hall. Now, a couple of things are interesting about this. The fronts of the cards say Pro Set Player of the Month on them, but at first glance, the Peters and the Barrasso card, they look pretty darn close to their uh, Series 1 cards. Peters was in Series 2, Barrasso was in Series 1, in so far that like when I bought some of these cards off of somebody, they sent me a regular Tom Barrasso, and it was legit by mistake. And I said, hey, you sent me the regular card, not the player of the month version. And the dude's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. They have the same photo on the front. The back of the card is almost the same. It says player of the month on it. But the Gretzky and the Hull cards use different photos. So they're unique cards for Gretzky and Hall. I mean, they're unique for all of them because they're different, but 
I mean, you know, if you're a Flyers fan or a Pete Peters fan or a goalie collector, you would want that Pete Peters card, but it's got the same photo. So it's not that exciting. Same with the Tom Barrasso, same photo. But the Gretzky is a different photo. The Hull's a different photo. The other thing is that these were given away at games. And from what I understand, they were given away at maybe one game, two games. I'm not sure about that. But if you think about a rink has what, about 20,000 seats? Depends on the rink, but sure. Yeah, I mean, just ballparking it. I hate to mix my metaphors there. This is not a ballpark. It's an ice rink. But the thing is, is that if you're giving one to each person that comes in, you're probably printing like fifteen to 20,000 of them. Again, for 1990 91, that's pretty rare. That'd probably be like a card today being numbered out of 499 to go with your example. Yeah, I could see that. The other thing you got to consider for those giveaways, and it's, I mean, it's still the same to this day. You get arena giveaways, where do about a third, if not more, end up? Right. On the floor and in the trash. I know, man. That so, drives me nuts. You got to take that into account in your head about how many of those got tossed, tossed on the floor, damaged, that kind of thing. So that's got to be built into that number in your head. That's just another little oddity kind of like connected to the set, not part of the set. But I mean, if you're going to build the set, you're going to probably want those eventually because they're harder to find and they kind of round out the set. I was going to say not to flip back to what we were talking about, but since I pulled it up, care to guess what the most graded card from this set in PSA's pop report is? Probably the Paul Gillis error card. Incorrect. The most graded card is the Yarmir Yager rookie. Really? Either version, the error or the corrected one. Together, between the two versions, there have been about a 1,000 graded of just that card. Do you want to explain what the error is to our listeners? So the error on the Yager card is on the back, the stat line is shifted so you look at where the stat headers are below the line all the stats are shifted over one column so none of the numbers line up on the corrected version obviously it's fixed but the error version has it shifted both versions are floating around out there i don't necessarily know that one version is more rare than the other I've seen both of them fairly frequently. So I can't say that one's more rare than the other. But from a grading standpoint, not that I do that, but it's eh, two to one. The um, error to correction. More errors than corrected? Yeah, about six, almost 700 of the error card versus about 300 or so of the corrected one. Hmm. But yeah, that's the highest one. Second to that is the Mike Madonna rookie. Hmm. Yeah, that's what people are getting. And it's mostly the rookie cards out of this are what people generally have been grading. The only exception to that rule is the Wayne Gretzky card because everybody grades Gretzky cards because they think they have to be. Yeah, that would have been my guess for most graded card in the set. So speaking of stats and errors and stuff like that, so just an interesting observation when I opened those two boxes earlier. One box that I opened... It had two Bob McGill cards in it. 
and they were the error version of the Bob McGill card where his penalty minute total is missing from the back of the card. That's the only thing that's missing is just they just didn't give him his penalty minute totals on the back. So that box, I pulled two of them. The next box I opened also had two Bob McGill cards, and they were the corrected version. So I don't think one's necessarily harder to find than the other. But for the longest time, I thought, oh, the one missing the penalty minute totals is the harder one to find. But because I think I only had one of like that one in like 12 of the corrected one. But that's maybe not the case. Could just depend when you bought them, where you bought them from. I mean, you know, you pick up cards from people like when you collect and you trade with people and sometimes people say like, oh, you know, my cousin gave me his sports cards and I don't want them here. You can have them. I know you like hockey cards here. Take them. Right. And there's always going to be some pro set in there. Right. Or, oh, I used to buy cards when I was younger and here you can have them. And it's usually like 90 pro set and score and like tops and Bowman. Right. Like it's always like that stuff. So this next card I didn't actually get this card until I bought a collection of hockey cards off of somebody, which happened to also have pro set cards in it. They wanted to sell everything, not just certain things. It's just like, you take it all or you take none. I'll take it all, right? And this is the Paul Gillis Bloody Nose Error card. So there's two things that make this card special. The more noticeable and less special thing about this card is that on the front, it lists his uniform number as number 37, even though in the photo, he's clearly wearing number 23. But if you look closely, under his nose, there's a trickle of blood coming out of one of his nostrils. It's not like blood is streaming down his face, and you actually have to look kind of hard to see it. I mean, you see a picture of it on the web. It looks like a big deal. I have this card in front of me, and it's kind of hard to see it. I mean, you got to look for it. But once you see it, you see it. The corrected version corrected the number to number 23. And the, what's it called? And the uh, the bloody the nose blood. has been airbrushed out. So, like, I remember, like, one guy had, like, a bunch of junk wax sets at his table. And he had 9091 Pro Set sets for, like, 10 bucks. And so I'm like, right, if I take a look at this set? And he's like, all oh, the cards are there. I'm like, no, I know. I just want to. I just want to jog my memory and see if I have the set. And what am I doing? I'm looking for the Dave Manson card. I'm looking for the Paul Gillis card. I'm looking for certain other cards that, like, I'm hoping, like, oh, okay, well, this has this error, so I'm just going to buy the set. Like, I remember one time I was at a Goodwill, and they had a monster box of pro set cards. And my girlfriend at the time was like, don't even think about it. So I sat there while she was looking at the books. I just sat there and went through all like 5,000 cards in the box to see if there was a Paul Gillis error card or another special error card special enough to justify buying 5,000 pro set cards. But the easy tell on that is if it says 37, then you know that's the error card. So you don't have to squint if you're like at a show and like, is this the error card? I can't tell, right? Is that got the blood or is that just poor printing on the front of the card yeah because there's that you have to deal with too it's like oh yeah. is this blood no i think it's a printing mistake with some bleed over from the magenta right so that's probably after the stanley cup hologram that's probably the toughest card to find 
Although a case could also be made for the Shane Corson All-Star corrected version. So it's funny that a corrected version of a card is actually a tough find. Not necessarily desirable, but because of 9091 Pro Set, I thought Shane's first name was spelled S-H-A-N-E, because that's how it was spelled on his All-Star card. I mean, it was probably spelled right on his Canadians card, but I just never really looked at that one because I liked the all-star cards a lot. I actually tried framing them. I bought like a poster frame and tried putting them all up. And if I was smart, I would have taped them, but then that would have ruined the cards. But then they kind of like fell apart. And I'm like, all right, I can't frame these cards. This is before they had card frames. So, I mean, that's how much I liked the all-star cards from 9091 Pro Set is that I tried framing them in a poster frame to hang on my wall. But the Shane... Corson All-Star Corrected Version spells his name as S-H-A-Y-N-E, and it is a tough card to find. And in fact, that's a card I only got, again, when I bought a collection off of somebody, and what was in it? Pro Set Cards. There you go. So how unexciting that a corrected card is probably the third toughest card to find, and then maybe the fourth toughest is the Dave Manson corrected card that actually pictures Dave Manson and not Steve Conroy. But I will tell you that Steve Conroy story I was going to tell you earlier. I was at a Blackhawk convention a couple years ago, and I showed that card to Steve Conroy. And he laughed because he's seen that card like a million times. In fact, during one of the broadcasts, they actually made fun of that card. They put it up on the screen and they're like, how come Steve Conroy looks like Dave Manson? You know what I mean? Like, did they look that much alike? You know what I mean? And so they were like making fun of that card. So I asked him, I said, would you sign the card? And then above where it says Dave Manson, would you write, this is not. So it signed Steve Conroy, and it said, this is not. And at the bottom, it says Dave Manson. So I thought that was just a fun thing to get signed. And, you know, he's really good natured about it and stuff. Probably at a different show, I had him sign my NHL 94 for PC box cover. I always try to bring cool things to get signed. Yes, so the Dave Manson error card that I spent $5 on, I got it signed by not Dave Manson. Very nice. Now, I heard there is another card that might be more rare than the Stanley Cup hologram. Okay. And that's the Aaron Broughton card with the mystery Stanley Cup trophy on the back. You mean the roller mark? The mystery Stanley Cup trophy on the back. God. (laughs) Have you ever seen that card? I've never seen it in person. I've seen pictures of it. Yeah, some guy emailed me about the card, and he's like, well, what do you know about this error? I'm like, it's not an error. And he's like, no, it's an error. I'm like, no, it's a defect. Yeah. I don't know if it's like a roller skid mark or like a burn mark or something on the back, but it's carved out in such a way that it kind of looks like the Stanley Cup. <laughs> if you look close enough at it, it's not the Stanley Cup. But if you look at it just holding the card like normal, you're like, why is there a little Stanley Cup on here? I've never seen one in person. I've only seen a picture of one. Yeah, people want to keep redefining what an error card is. So you have error cards, you have variation cards, right? So example of a variation would be like the Yari Curry, where it says now he's playing with the Milan Devils, right? Because it's not a mistake that the other card didn't say that. It just was updated to reflect that he is now no longer playing in the NHL. Okay, fine. That's a variant. An error, 
and a corrected would be like the Dave Manson, Steve Conroy thing, or the Peter Stastny, Patrick Sundstrom thing, where they eventually went back and they fixed it. Yeah, um, error assumes there's something wrong. Right. There's something wrong, and then they fixed it, right? Like some of the Russian players, Miloslav Harava is one of them. You know, his name is misspelled on, like, the front of his card. Right, Miroslav. have made a card of him before or again. Right. Well, that's pro set for you. And unfortunately... There is no card of Wayne Van Dorp, which pissed me off. There's no card of Helmut Balderas, although I did make a custom card, which I will link to in the comments. Of course, Balderas was out of the NHL by then, but he's like the Soviet version of Guy Lafleur. He was like this 37-year-old dude who made a comeback to play in the NHL, and he was like a legendary Soviet-era player, right? So it was kind of a big deal that he played in the NHL because, you know, he was a contemporary of like those other guys, maybe a little bit older than like Fatisov and Larianov and them, but still like part of that class of players, you know, there's a few guys that I wish had pro set cards. I've actually made customs of them because, you know, nerd's going to nerd, right? Yeah. Plus what else are gonna, people going to steal and try to sell on eBay? Yeah. Did they try to do that with one of my things? I thought they did. I thought we found oh! like a, we found like an auction for one of the things. It was the Scott Foster cards that yeah, I made. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? The yes. Scott Foster was that accountant who stepped in for the Blackhawks like five, six years ago. Was it five years? Like 2018, I think. Yeah. David Ayers was 2020. Until David Ayers stepped in for the Hurricanes, Scott Foster was like the gold standard of e-bugs, right? So I made a bunch of Scott Foster custom cards, and Tim found them on eBay. Somebody had just, boink, just took them off my website and then just printed them. them and sold them. Yep. Yeah, good times. Yeah, well, whatever. So, anywho... Oh, okay. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the custom... Uh, error so, versus variation versus printing error. Right. Printing so defect. A, so a blot of ink that should not be on a card is not an error. That's a blot of ink that just got on the card. I have some cards. I have a Gerard Gallant card that's miscut. It is miscut so much that his name isn't even at the bottom, right? It's just just his photo and then like lots of extra stuff at the top this is not an error card this is a defective card it's a miscut right or if the back is flipped the wrong way like if you turn the card over and the back is facing one way and not the other way that's a mistake that means that when they printed the other side they flipped it the wrong way the sheet of card so you have your mistakes like that but those are printing mistakes. Anybody telling you they have the mini Stanley Cup version or like I've seen ones where they say, oh, well, the last letter in the player's name isn't as bold as the other letters in his name. It's like, no, dude, they just ran out of ink or there was too much bleed over because it was black ink. You don't print white. If you have white text on black, you're just basically printing where the black is and not where the white is. So sometimes you have, to have a little bit too much black ink. It's going to bleed into the white letters. So that's not an error. That's not a variation. That's a screw up. Well, like I've seen a list with like the Brian McClellan card where he's got like just a green blotch on his face. And it's like, it's not an error. It's a printing defect. Right, exactly, and 100% there's, right. There's plenty of those here in this set. 
like the Gretzky one. There's like a, I don't know, like a little C under the T in Gretzky on the front of the card, which is weird. It probably shouldn't be there. Somehow it got stamped on there as it was going through the printer somehow. Or like some of the line breaks on the back or like there's little white squares like in parts of the stat line that shouldn't be there. Those are all printing errors. But the thing is, you get printing errors today. They happen all the time. Right. And you'll get defects on cards and stuff like that. The problem, I think, with ProSet and what's given it that lasting legacy of being the error of all error sets, most of these printing defects are reoccurring. Like, if there's one that's like that, there's probably 50 that are like that. Right. And they have that same screw-up, that same blotch, you know, thing, that same, you know diagonal line that's inexplicably on the back for some reason or the same you know black ink smudge they all have the same thing because there were so many of these that were printed when the error was occurring the error happened and then 700 more sheets came rolling out and they all had the same error before somebody figured out oh we need to change the fuser on this printer or whatever in order to fix it so it's a blatant disregard for any of the printing issues that would normally be found when you're running a line like this. People think that oh, stuff's printed badly these days and there's quality control issues. Look no further than 1991 process. I mean, I'll give like a more modern example. Like you remember like when the LA Kings had the purple in their jersey, like say 2007-ish, like around then they were like black and purple. And I remember like, putting together an upper deck set, it had team colors, like, by the player folder or whatever, right? And I remember, like, sorting my King's cards, and I remember some of them looked purple, and some of them looked closer to navy blue, and it, like, annoyed me. I mean, it was the same card. It wasn't that it was a mistake. They made the striping navy blue. It was just the quality, the color quality was shifted a little. So some looked a little more blue, some looked a little more purple. And of course I wanted them to all kind of look as close to each other as possible because I'm probably OCD and don't realize it, but that wasn't like a variation. It wasn't like the Navy blue on Jay Kopitar variant and the purple on Jay Kopitar corrected version. It was just slightly different levels of ink printing the same thing. Yeah, you got to be able to distinguish the difference between one thing versus the next and stop putting like uber premiums on thinking that something's an error and when it's really not an error. Right, you know, the, and I'm the all prime for... example is that Stanley Cup thing because it's just funny. And and I'm all for setting aside those screw-ups because they're fun. If I get a miscut, I set it aside because it cracks me up. Even a couple years ago, remember like how 2021 upper deck cards were coming out all diamond cut? Yes. I saved them. What was I going to do? Send them back a fistful of base cards and be like, these base cards are cut funny and I want my money back or I want replacements of, of, I did with my box of Opeachy Platinum the one year. Yeah, how'd that work out for you, Tim? They asked me to send back everything that was messed up. So I made a list of all of them, and I sent them all back. Did you get the same parts back? every one of them. No way. Yeah, they replaced every one of them, plus they threw a couple extras in there. 
Now, that is a good story. Now, I've also heard about people sending back a bunch of base cards to Upper Deck, and they would just send them back packs. And they'd See, be the, like, but I need yeah. those cards for my set. Ah. Exactly. See, the difference, though, is I'm a world-famous hockey podcast co-host. So I got preferential treatment, probably. That's right. You got front-of-the-line no, privileges. Not really. Because if that was the case, they would have said, no problem, we'll just send it to you instead of making me send stuff back. Right. <laughs> it's like, what are you going to do with these? You're just going to throw them in the garbage. Well, so. it, it kind of sucks that you buy the cards and then you have to pay to ship the cards to them so that you could get the cards in the condition that they were supposed to be in in the first place. Yeah, it's kind of silly, but... Anyway, I got them replaced, but yeah, they were super errors because they were way miscut. They even had the roller lines on the tops of some of them. Wow. So there was a second series of Pro Set. Most of our conversations have been about the first series. I mean, we did talk about the Yager card. So Series 2 is only 300 cards. As I mentioned, it didn't have the Mike Keenan card. It had all the other coaches. So the last card in the set is the Puck. So my theory is that when Mike Keenan decided that he wasn't going to be in that set or didn't consent to be in that set, they said, well, crap, we can't make a 299-card set. Uh, All right. uh, What can we make a card of? Who can we make a card of? Well, we just need something, right? Like, And then they're like, hey, let's make a card of the puck. So, I mean, is this the puck's rookie card? I mean, if you think about it, the puck has been involved in hockey, well, since they switched from a ball to a puck, right? So the puck has been in more hockey games than Wayne Gretzky, Gordie Howe, and Yarmir Yager combined. Of course, it's you the know? puck. The puck has been a part of every goal ever scored. That is true. And the puck has also contributed to a lot of teeth that have been knocked out. That is also true. Right, so... This is an important hockey card. This might be the most important hockey card ever made. You got the Stanley Cup hologram, and then you got the last card in 90-91 Pro Set of the puck. I want to see how many of these are on the PSA registry. Maybe five. if there's five? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, there's actually five. I was shocked. I thought there'd be zero, but there were and, five. And they're not me, and that's what's shocking. Oh, wait, yeah. I don't grade cards, but still. Yes. I thought that was interesting, too. Yeah, because I remember, like, as a kid, I was like, why did they make a card of the puck that's so stupid? But now I'm like, well, they needed to round out a 300-card set with something. So it just kind of seemed like one of those, like, well, let's make a card of the puck because... Maybe they were foreshadowing that they were going to have a set called Puck with candy in it in the near future. Yes, the pro set Puck set from 9192 which i never saw i own the set but i never saw it in stores back in the day i never saw it either until like maybe 20 years ago wow i saw a box of it at a show i was like what the heck is this stuff like i've never seen this in my life then i found out there was a tom barrasso card i didn't have dude we should have bought that box we could have split it you could have had all the candy and i would have all the cards and that would have been win-win for both of us see is that a fat joke because I get all the candy? No. It, oh, I just thought yeah. that's what you'd want. Because, no. you know. I don't want the candy. I have enough Clark buns here with Mario and you in them. I don't need any more. <laughs> I don't need any more crappy candy that 
you buy for the cards and throw the candy away. So I remember when Series 2 came out, and I was, like, so excited about it. I remember I was at a Jewel Osco. No, it wasn't a Jewel Osco. It was just an Osco. So in Chicago, we have this chain of grocery stores called Jewel. They're owned by Albertsons, which I think is a Canadian company. That means anything to any of our listeners. So Albertsons owns Jewel, and they own Osco. So you have Jewel and Osco, and they're combined together. Or sometimes you have Osco as standalone stores. So I remember we went to Osco for whatever reason, maybe to pick up a prescription. I can't remember. I'm like 15, 16. Maybe I just turned 16. I don't know. And, like, I remember they had a box of Series 2 Pro set. But they didn't even put it out. Like, it wasn't out with all the other cards. Like, I walked up to the camera counter. And in the back, like, behind the person was, like, a sealed box of Pro set. And I, like, begged my mom. I'm like, Mom, would you please buy me this box of Series 2 Pro set cards? And she did. But what was funny was, like, I said, I want to buy those cards, right? And so the person grabbed the box, and they go to, like, start opening it. And I'm like, no, 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 don't, 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 don't open it. I'm going to buy all the packs in there, the whole thing, right? Because this is still when you could get a box for $18. Shoot, now I'd be happy you could get a box for, like, well, I guess you can get a box for like 40, 50 bucks, but you know, back then 36 packs for 18 bucks. Right. So it's obviously it's an easier set to build because there's only 300 cards instead of 405 cards. It's got a lot of rookie cards. I mean, you got Yarmir Yager, you got Eddie Belfour, you got Sergei Fedorov. I mean, right there, that's three big reasons. Of course, those cards are not really worth anything. But still, you got a lot of good rookie cards in Series 2. But it doesn't get the love that Series 1 gets because Series 1, you have the potential for getting a hologram. And Series 1, you have Gretzky and you have Lemieux and you have a couple of different Gretzky cards, trophy cards, scoring leader cards, stuff like that. Series 2, you have referees and linesmen, you have coaches You have a card commemorating Gretzky's 2,000th point, a card commemorating the Oilers winning the Stanley Cup, and a few more Hall of Famers, a lot of journeymen who didn't make the cut in Series 1, like Bruce Shoebottom. Ah, yes, Bruce Shoebottom. Yes, Bruce Shoebottom, great name. You know, the dude was like called up Boston Bruins legend. Well, the dude was called up for like two games at the start of 90-91, so ProSet was like, oh, we need to include him in Series 2. And he was, like, set down after that. So, like, the dude was up for, like, two games long enough for ProSet to notice him and say, oh, we should put him in Series 2. And then he was, like, demoted, and then that was it. And actually, with the ProSet Memories set that came out a couple years ago that was put out by Leaf, and they did buybacks of the 9091. 91, 92, 92, 93 pro set cards, and they foil stamped them. And I told myself I was going to buy the Bruce Shoebottom pro set card that was foil stamp one out of one. But whoever had it wanted like 50 bucks for it. And I was like, nah, I'm not buying it. And then when I went back to buy it, it was already bought. So I will never have that Bruce Shoebottom one of one. This comes up again. That's why when you see something rare and weird, that's the time to buy. Well, it was rare and weird, but also I don't think, I don't know. It's it, To me, it would just be like a card I would own just to make fun of. I mean, I do that with that 1011 Rennie Bork Artifacts Emerald version because I have like 
seven of them or something, and there's only like 50 of them, but somehow I kept ending up with that card. But I'm getting off topic here. The point is, is like... I have two good Burshu bottom cards. Okay. I got the Tough Times Auto that came out of, like, what was it, Donruss in 2010, 2011? Yeah, that's legit. And I have have the... uh, Signature Legends one from 2012. It was um, the classic signatures that Panini put out. I forget what subset it was from. But it's a sideways card and it's signed. It's hard signed. See, that would be a better use of my money, like getting actual autographs of the card than just a foil stamped version of a card that I have like 20 of. Now you have a foil stamp and you can look at it fondly and say, Oh, you remember when Leaf took over ProSet? Those were the days. I have a couple of the Chris Chelios out of five cards, foil stamp from Leaf. But yeah, so Series 2, I mean, it was, it was a nice idea. I mean, even like when Series 1 came out, it said on the box, Series 1. So we knew like, oh man, there's going to be more of these cards, right? Like Upper Deck came out. And we didn't know if there was going to be more upper deck. We probably figured there was going to be a high series, and there was because they had done that with their baseball cards in 89 and in 90. So we kind of knew what upper deck was going to do. And like with score, we knew that like score did like a traded set for its baseball so that it was going to do a traded set for its hockey. That kind of seemed like a no brainer. Tops didn't really try too hard. They're just like, well, we'll just make a bigger set and that's it, right? Opeachy came out with Premiere, which was a game changer. But Pro Set, right out of the gate, they said, here's 405 cards, and there's going to be another series. So, like, it was just, it was, like, super exciting, just that anticipation of more of this set. And until 2008, this was the biggest hockey card set ever made. NHL hockey card set, not counting any of those Quebec International Peewee sets that have like 1,800 12-year-old kids who played in the Quebec tournament. And that's a bigger set, obviously, but as far as NHL sets goes, at 705 cards, this was the biggest set until 0809 with 800 cards. If you really think about it, Series 2, though, didn't necessarily even have to happen. They could have stuck all this in Series 1. But Series 2, when they decided, oh, I guess we have to make a Series 2, so now what do we do? Well, let's make, uh, I don't know, let's do career point leader cards and just put some, like, old guys on. But that's cool, don't you think? It is, but think about it as in the grand scheme of things. Did they have to do that? No. Did they have to make coach cards? No. Did they have to do referees? No. Like, you eliminate the referees, the coaches, and those career point leader. I mean, you're back down to, like, 600 cards, roughly. Yeah, it's a lot so less, that's, yeah. that's, like, a big chunk. Plus, if you take out, if you take all those, like, award winner cards out of Series 1, now you're down to, like, 600 exactly, probably, at that point. You know, what's funny is that in Series 1, there's a Mike Richter rookie goals against average leaders card but he doesn't have a rookie card until series two so like i remember like here's a preview of this guy he's a rookie but this is really not a rookie card per se yeah and you know stat leader card you know i mean unrelated note my aunt adopted a puppy and the dog's name from the pound was richter and when she brought him home she's like well what should we name him i'm like 
he's already got the perfect name. He's Richter, like Mike Richter, the Olympic goalie, the World Cup of Hockey gold medal goalie, Stanley Cup winner, New York Ranger goalie, right? So she kept it as Richter. I vaguely remember watching the 88 Olympics and the only player I remember on that team, and there were some good players on that team, like Eric Weinrich was on the 88 American team. Oh, Brian Leach, of course, was on that team. But the only player I remember was Mike Richter. And it's because he was making so many damn saves. It was like Richter this, Richter that, Richter that. And then like when I got into hockey, I'm like, oh, that Richter guy that I vaguely remember from the 88 Olympics. Well, he's a pro player now, right? You know what I mean? I was kind of like excited that like somebody that I remembered before I watched my first NHL game was now playing in the NHL. And then I remember when ProSet came out, I'm like, oh, he's got a card, but it's not a real card. It's like a stat leader card. Whoop-de-doo, right? It's like when you get a penalty minute leader card, but not an actual card. (laughs) Not a base card, but a subset card. That raises the question. Was there a penalty leader card in the set? No, and there should have been. That would have been cool. With all these other stat leader cards? No. Like I said, Upper Deck is the better set, but this is my favorite set. It was ambitious. It was big. It was bold. It was colorful. It was excessive. But it was also ambitious. The other companies played it safe. They weren't going to do coach cards. They weren't going to do referee cards. Team logo cards have been done before. But here, like, integrating, like, Hall of Fame players into the set, I mean, that's exciting because it kind of ties in the old with the new. And younger collectors are getting cards of, like, Gordie Howe, Stan Makita, Bobby Clark, Alex Del Vecchio, Marcel Dion, Tony Esposito. You're getting some of the legends here. So, I mean, it was just such a cool thing that they did. Think about this, though. So they threw all those guys in there. But at the time this came out, some of those guys weren't in the Hall of Fame yet. No. Some, Some of them came later. In fact, a couple of those guys hadn't retired that much long before that. Potvin retired in 88... Bossy in 88, Dion in 89. Yeah, so you're right. I mean, some of these guys were pretty recent. Heck, if Gordie Howe had his way, he probably still would have been playing at that point. I mean, he played a shift in 97 for the uh, Detroit Vipers. That is true. So I love the set. You know, we could probably fill a three-hour show on this, but we're not gonna. Of all of the pro set hockey sets. This is definitely the better of them. It's almost like from this point forward, then they just phoned it in after that. I agree. 91-92 wasn't as good. 92-93 only had a Series 1. Platinum was great, but... It just became the, we can make anything and people will buy it show at that point. And so that's kind of what they did. Well... When you compare this, are you also factoring in 9192 Parkhurst or 9293 Parkhurst? Or are you just talking about ProSet? I'm talking about the ProSet by itself because even though ProSet put out the Parkhurst set after Brian Price gave it to him, I still consider that a separate thing. Like Parkhurst was a separate thing. It's like, we're resurrecting this name. ProSet's going to put it out. Oh, wait, ProSet's going bankrupt. Oh, wait, ProSet's going out of business. Yeah, I'm taking that back and it's going somewhere else because I can't let that die. So that's why I, I separate that. So when I talk pro set, I'm talking just pro set. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's definitely the best. 
91-92 wasn't as good. 92-93 wasn't as good. Platinum was a great set. We could do a whole show just about all the things that Pro Set put out over its short lifespan. I mean, if you think about it, 89 to 92, four years. 89, 90, 91, like four years. I mean, by 93, they were... They were done. I mean, they were trying to get a trading card license for 93, 94, but they couldn't because they were bankrupt. And then that was just the end of them. So it's like that saying about the star that shines brightest shines quickest. And I feel that's like what Pro Set was. Like they were that star that boom, they started with the supernova. And then from there, it was all kind of downhill. And then they, they just fizzled out very quickly. I don't know that you can even chalk it up to too big, too fast kind of thing. Because, I mean, that was the era, from a trading card standpoint, that was the era of excess. I mean, everybody was doing excess. Everybody was putting out over the top. Now, as far as production goes, yeah, they were printing. Oh, yeah. And them were printing just as many. But from a set that was as popular, and that's the thing. If you go back to 9091, as we've talked about all of these sets going forward, we sort of ranked them by least desirable to most desirable. But at the same time, I think our top two to two A, maybe throw a third one in there as a two A, but upper deck and pro set to this day, people will still buy it if they see it and they'll still pick it up. No one wants a box of Bowman from 1990, right? Right. I mean, nobody that I know. Nobody necessarily wants a box of 1991 tops. Nobody wants a box of 1991 Opeachy. Because there's tons of it. But Upper Deck and Pro Set seem to be the two that people will still go after. Because there was something there. Whether it was the innovation of the photos, you know, the type of cardstock, the premiumness of it, the chase to the Stanley Cup, all the error cards that we know about now that we didn't necessarily know about then. Again, it's one of those sets that will stand the test of time and will always trigger somebody one way or another, whether they love it, whether they don't like it. It's just something that transcends that time frame. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, there's definitely a mystique about it. For mystique all, is a good word. Yeah, for all those reasons that you mentioned. All right, so in closing, I'm just going to say that I am pro pro set. So you should all buy a set of it. You don't have to put it in pages, but you should have this set because it's an important set. It's an important set because it has a lot of players. It's one of the biggest sets ever made, has a ton of rookie cards, and it's like historically significant. It's not going to have the same value of other significant sets. Like it's no 5152 Parkhurst. Although, as I like to say, one man's pro set is another man's Parkhurst. Because it's true. No one's going to get rich off of the set. Unless, of course, you have seven Stanley Cup holograms. But you can't deny going back and looking at it and looking at the checklist and looking at, as far as rookies go, like you said, there's well over 200 rookies, 224 or whatever it was, as far as rookie cards go. You know, you look at it from a standpoint of, let's see, how many Hall of Famers can we pull out of here? There's... 130 some hall of fame cards if you want to count all the errors of hall of famers as well right and plus if you're a set builder this is a crazy set to go after with 700 
over 700 cards and then knowing that there's that many error cards that you could then go chase and try to piece together so that you have like a master set of everything i mean it's a challenge closest thing to this today is probably the opg base set and maybe flagship upper deck now that there's an extended yeah good point oh and if you do go out and buy like a case of this or a pallet make sure you save all your 10 cent off coupons and send them to sal he loves those oh yeah we didn't talk about those the idea Sell a was five thousand count box and ship it to sal <laughs> he'll love that yeah i'll have your christmas present ready for you by then uh, talk about fire king one yeah, those 10 cent cards, you were supposed to be able to send them in. The Pro Set Gazette basically had a catalog for things that you could order, like Pro Set merchandise. You know, I didn't even really talk about that, but like like the wrappers had like offers on them. Like you could get a Pro Set t-shirt and it was it was always like this. It was like... Like the it old was, school tops that OPG wrappers did. Yeah, but those were like cheaper. So this is what it would say. It would say Pro Set t-shirt. This t-shirt is a... $13.95 value, but you can have it for $9.95 plus $3 shipping for $12.95 total. So I'm like, okay, this shirt that's a $13.95 value and I can have it for $12.95. Well, that was on the wrapper. That was the offer. But then in the ProSet Gazette, they had ProSet merchandise that you could buy and you could send in these 10 cent coupons for up to 50% off their, the purchase price of the items. The only time I ever tried doing that, that was around the time ProSet went bankrupt. They sent me back my check. They might have sent back the 10 cent coupons. I can't remember, but they just basically said, we're no longer doing this. And I was like, son of a gun. Cause I had like saved up. I sent them like $120 order and I was like ordering a t-shirt and some of the three ring albums. There's actually a binder that you could order for this set that says Pro Set Hockey on it and stuff like that. So, yeah, those cards weren't even worth that much back in the day because they stopped honoring them before they officially went out of business. Well, at least they sent them back. Yeah, well, at least they sent the check back, but yeah. It's more than we can say for a certain company that's got tons of redemptions that may go out of business here soon. <laughs> That's another topic for another day. All right. So, should we cash out then? Let's put the final bow on the 9091 reviews. All right, then. Thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. If you collected 9091 Pro Set cards back in the day, or if you collect it now, if you love the set, if you hate the set, we'd love to hear all about it. You could reach us on social media. I'm at Puck Junk. Tim is at the real DFG. There's also the Facebook collectors group at facebook.com slash groups slash puck junk. So you can reach out to us in any of these methods. And until next time, collect what you like. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at puck junk.